take yourself out of the yarn industry for a moment. If you look at any business that's successful, you probably will find very few that only do one thing, that only have one product or one service. You'll see that most businesses are at least somewhat diversified. And I think the same thing goes for the yarn industry. And there's a lot of benefits to doing that. That was Marie Sigaris, host of the Creative Yarn Entrepreneur podcast, on this episode of the Power Pearls podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I will dig deep and ask the big question why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Pearls Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Marie Sigaris, and she is a crochet and knitting blogger, designer, teacher, podcaster, and small business consultant. She started the Underground Crafter blog in 2011 while working full-time in public higher education, change management. <laughs> I just, just messed that up. I'm going to start over with... Um, okay. She started the Underground Crafter blog in 2011 while working full-time in public higher education change management. In 2013, she left the working world and became a full-time solopreneur, straddling two disparate industries, education and yarn. Wow. <laughs> the combination keeps things interesting. So, Marie continues to self-publish her designs and freelance for several magazines, including I like crochet and I like knitting. In 2016, she will present podcasting workshops at the We All Grow Summit by Latina Bloggers Connect and the Snap Conference. So Marie, thank you so much for being on Power Pearls. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. It's great to be here. Well, this is exciting because actually we, we kind of did this like little tag team mm -hmm. thing today. So um, just so the listeners know, I was just on Marie's podcast, Creative Yarn Entrepreneur. And so we just, we're going to keep the momentum going and now she's on Power Pearls. And so now it's my turn to ask, uh, ask all kinds of questions. So, you know, I, I just want to start off, you know, first by, you know, having you int just introduce yourself, you know, sure. um, and, you know, just talk about how you first entered this, you know, fibery world. And, you know, I guess we all know that you, uh, you know, you, you knit and you crochet, but how did you first enter this world uh, on a professional level? Sure. So uh, back in 2007, I was actually getting a master's degree in business at night. And I found myself uh, crocheting at that time. I didn't knit crocheting a lot more uh, kind of stress relief, I guess, during that time. And I heard about a class to become a certified crochet instructor at uh, the Fashion Institute of Technology. It's run through the Craft Yarn Council. And kind of on a whim, I said, oh, that sounds like a cool idea. You know, I can make a little side money teaching people to crochet. So I went 
uh, I went through that class, which was a great experience. And one of the things I realized was that I had absolutely no idea how to teach anyone to crochet <laughs> because I had learned when I was a kid and I didn't remember learning. And that had been sort of a problem. You know, I had always had friends that said, oh, teach me to crochet. But I couldn't because uh, I didn't really remember learning. So that was really helpful. And kind of after that class, I finished up business school and I started teaching crocheting, uh, you know, on the weekends and in the evenings to kind of make a little bit of side money. And then from the teaching, what I started to find was that led into designing because what would happen was I would have students that would say, well, I want to learn how to make this or that, or I'm looking for this type of pattern. And so I would end up kind of designing something that would meet the needs of my students. And so from there, uh, I kind of got into freelance design and, and self-publishing. And then in 2010, I kind of overcame my lifelong fear of knitting. For whatever strange reason, I was terrified of knitting and always felt like I couldn't, I couldn't knit. And one of my friends finally said to me, I think you're just psyching yourself out. You know, you know how to crochet. You understand yarn. You've taught people these different things. Surely if you really just sit down, you can figure out how to knit. And so... I, um, you know, I did basically, I, I watched some videos and I read some books and then pretty soon I, I realized she was totally right. I was psyching myself out all those years. <laughs> and so that really helped cause that, uh, kind of diversified what I could do. Uh, you know, eventually when my knitting skills were strong enough, I could also teach knitting as well as crocheting. I could design, you know, knit as well as crochet patterns. So that was something that actually became really helpful for me in terms of, um, being in the industry. But for me, uh, this isn't really, it's never been kind of my full-time work. It's always been uh, just part of my income and a growing part over time, which is great. Uh, you know, now it's something that I kind of rely on, you know, making a certain amount of money from teaching or designing or from my blog uh, during the year. But, uh, you know, it, it's never been something where I said, oh, I'm going to quit my job and become a full-time crocheter. So that's sort of how I entered into the industry and, and sort of where it is today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that was going to be my question. You know, it's like, how do you, if you're freelancing, is that all that you do? Or, you know, how do you support that, that part of your life so you can keep that going? Mm -hmm. um, and so you said that you work, uh, you do have like other ways to support that? Like what, what, what are the other kinds of things that you do to help keep your freelancing life fresh? Sure. So I, I like to actually, I'm one of these people that I don't like to do the same thing over and over. So even though I like freelancing because I like working with different magazines and I like that kind of collaborative process where, you know, the editor is sort of saying, this is my vision for this magazine. And then you're coming up with maybe a design that you wouldn't have normally come up with kind of in response to their mood board or what have you. Um, and, you know, of course, they get to do all the photography and the other things that can somewhat sometimes be annoying, like formatting. But, <laughs> but um, I, I also, you know, don't always like giving that up because I, you know, I'm sort of contrarian, you know, there's other times that I want to have everything under my own control. So I like to also do self-publishing. Um, and in that case, I, I do uh, both types of self-publishing. I self-publish uh, patterns for sale as individual PDFs. And I also self-publish free patterns on my blog, which is monetized through a couple of different ways. So I have that sort of income stream. And then I do a lot of teaching still. I teach actually 
in mostly adult education venues. So I don't usually teach, actually, I've never taught in a yarn shop or anything like that. I've always taught in sites where they offer a variety of different classes for adults. And, you know, crochet knitting is just one of those types of classes. And so um, that's another way of, um, you know, of bringing in money. But it's also a great way to see what's going on with you know, the typical crochet or knitter out there, which it's a little bit hard to do when you're, de when you're designing full time, because you don't necessarily have that direct access to people. Mm -hmm. So I like the way that in teaching, I can see, okay, this is what people are making now, this is what people are wondering about now. And then that can sort of help me think of designs that I can publish. So it's like they kind of feed off each other. And that's how I think I'm able to mm -hmm. keep it fresh. Yeah, I, I like that. Because, you know, I think that's where you can almost step outside of yourself, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you have the bottom line covered when you've got another income source. But, um, but when you're, when you're relying on that, that, that just that freelance income, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you can't see, you know, you don't have time to explore and do some, you know, R&D, <laughs> so sure. to speak, and just see, you know, really be kind of, um, you know, observant to, to what's around you. And, and, um, so I think that's great that you, that you're able, uh, that you're able to kind of balance those two sides. And, uh, you know, cause I, I can agree, um, back when I was an illustrator, uh, and I was also designing, uh, knitwear that I could kind of go back and forth, you mm -hmm. know, because, you know, there were two different things that I could make money doing. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Yeah. And so, it helps the money part helps too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, um, so yeah, so let's like, you know, switch gears a little bit because, you know, I know that you, so you said you, you, you have a business background, right? So yeah. like you are, you're a business minded person. And so, um, you know, you, you kind of came to this uh, conclusion, right? So you said, let me mix this with, uh, my love of business and, you know, yarn, knitting, crochet, and you started creative yarn entrepreneur. So, can you talk to a little bit about your podcast uh, and, you know, why you felt like it was a good time, you know, to, to start this and, you know, just like what, what kind of need did you feel that you were, you were feeling when you started it? Definitely. Uh, you know, I think a lot has really changed in the online part of the knitting and crochet world in the last few years in terms of um, how and where information is shared with people kind of coming into the industry. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed was that as things shifted from kind of more small and closed social media networks like, you know, Yahoo groups and, and maybe Ravelry, as things started to move, you know, into Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and people had to be in every single place, you know, to promote their business, I started to see that uh, it felt like there was a little bit of not so much a loss of community, but it was a little bit harder to find those communities where people would be willing to kind of share information and talk people through um, some of the struggles and challenges of being, you know, being in the yarn industry and being an indie in the yarn industry specifically. And, you know, my background, uh, as you mentioned, I have a business background. I actually teach uh, business classes in a graduate program in a college nearby. I've run large programs. So I have a kind of a, a bigger uh, organizational management background. But, you know, I also have kind of an educational background because I started actually as a health educator when I first came out of college. So 
you know, my idea has always been, you know, if you educate people about things, then they're kind of empowered to do what works for them. And I really felt like there weren't a lot of places where people could go and say, okay, give me the education about this, and then I can make my own decisions about how to proceed. There's, you know, I'm not saying there's no source of information about the yarn industry, but a lot of people, especially at that time when I started the show, were really dogmatic. It was like, you know, you must do it this way, or you're terrible, or, you know, this is the only way to be successful. And from a business standpoint, I felt like a lot of the things people were saying were really flawed and kind of short-sighted. And I also feel like, you know, people become entrepreneurs because they want to be in control of their own destiny and they don't want somebody to tell them, do it exactly this way. And so I really felt like I could offer something a little bit different than what was out there at the time by kind of saying, here are some things that are working for different people. You know, how can you take that information and build a business that works for you? So that's sort of the approach that I took to the Creative Yarn Entrepreneur Show. And I I, um, I do kind of alternating types of shows. So I have some shows that are solo shows where I might just talk about a particular topic. Like I recently did one on um, six different income streams that you could use for your yarn-related business. And then I also do a lot of interviews, especially when people might have information that I don't have. So for instance, you were just on my show and you talked about <laughs> you know, a lot of insight that you have as an editor of a magazine, which of course I don't have because that's not part of my background. So I try to mix it up to keep things interesting for my listeners, but also to get those different perspectives because I try not to be really dogmatic about, you know, you should do it this way or you should do it that way. Yeah. And, you know, you actually beat me to, uh, that was going to be my next question was, you know, just to kind of, you know, ask you, you know, what other kind of strategies do you suggest? Because, you know, just designing knitwear, you know, design, being a crochet designer, knitwear designer, you know, it's a small, you mm -hmm. know, it's a small piece of our industry and sure. you can't, you can't make a living just doing that. So, you know, you touched on the six income streams and I listened to that episode and I love that because you're, you know, you're pulling out, like, these are things that are, that are happening there. It's like a plug and play. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we're not in this very, uh, you know, th that it, it's what you do with these, these, these models, so to speak. Sure. And how you use them, how you customize and, and tailor them to your specific uh, craft, industry, business, whatever. And I love that you, that you actually, you know, you, per you, you provide those, uh, those strategies in your, in your podcast. So, um, you know, do you like let I don't know let's dig into some other areas because I know you'll you talk about blogging like what mm -hmm. are some of the other um bits of advice uh that you give you know actionable advice that you know a designer could use right away sure. to just help their business you know to start or just to, you know kind of revamp what they're doing so they can continue to do this sure I mean I think to me you know I think there are two things that everyone should you know, and again, I try not to say should do this, but you know, if I were to should someone, this would be an area that I would should should them. I think you know, diversifying is really important. And you know, again, if you look at just just take yourself out of the yarn industry for a moment. If you look at any business that's successful, you probably will find very few that only do one thing, that only have one product or one service. You'll see that most businesses are at least somewhat diversified. And I think the same thing goes for the yarn industry. And there's a lot of benefits to doing that. I mean, first of all, 
let's say, you know, everything changes tomorrow and people decide, you know, I don't want to work off PDF patterns anymore. All the people that only sell PDF patterns are going to be out of business, right? So, but if let's say they're, they're doing PDF patterns, they're also selling kits with yarn, they're also teaching, they're also doing a couple of other things. If any one of those areas, you know, really suffers, they have some other income coming in. So there's a diversity of mm. sort of streams, you know, where the income is coming from. And then there's also a diversity of how the income comes in. So, you know, as I mentioned for freelancing, and of course, you know this, Kara, but, you know, you might design something for a magazine and you might get paid, you know, depending on the magazine, either at the point that you send in the sample or, you know, kind of around the point that the magazine gets published. And what you'll find is that, you know, that income will be a, usually a sort of a, a chunk of money that comes in. So it's like a big, a big bit of cash, relatively speaking, whereas let's say these PDF patterns are kind of like little trickles that come in, you know, $5 here, $20 there, that kind of thing. And so it kind of helps your cash flow to have money coming from different sources and in different amounts and at different times of the year. Um, the same like with teaching, I've found in my area, it's very hard to get people to want to take knitting and crocheting classes in the summer. I mean, it's possible, but compared to the fall and the winter, it's just not as likely that the classes are going to fill. So if I think, well, I know I'm in the fall and the winter, I can rely more on my teaching income, you know, then I might try to sort of work out so that I'm doing maybe more designing in the summer, let's say. And that way I might have the same amount of income all year round, but coming from a couple of different sources. So I think, you know, that's just strategic ways of thinking about things. But it's also thinking about the skills that you have and, and what, you know, not everyone likes teaching, not everyone has the patience for it or the confidence to do it. Um, there's so many other different things you can do in the industry. You know, you can sell products that you make or that someone else manufactures and you resell. You can, you know, you can do professional services like tech editing or photography or illustration or helping other people with their websites, you know, depending on what skills that you have. So there's just so many different uh, ways that it's not just, okay, I'm going to design something. And I think, you know, that usually what happens is people kind of enter into the yarn industry with that one thing that they're really interested in, but they don't necessarily know that there's other options out there. And I'm just trying to get people to think about, you know, how many of those other options do you want to include in your portfolio? And how does that kind of help you to be sustainable over the long term? That's great advice. Yeah, because, you know, it, it just that in itself, that whole idea of, you know, introducing different income streams and ways to do things based on existing models, you know, mm -hmm. just study what people are doing that you really admire that are really a success. That in itself, I think is is a creative process too. Sure. See, hmm, how can I take this? Okay, I got this thing I love, and it's called mm -hmm. knitting, uh, or designing, you know, knitwear, what can I do that that, you know, I can kind of spread it out in so many different, mm -hmm. you know, kind of income streams. Because, you know, like, you know, you, you were saying, you know, you've got this, uh, you, if you diversify, then, uh, you know, it's almost like you have several, you know, you've got these all these different clients, as opposed to that one client sure. syndrome. Yeah, you know what I mean? For sure. You know, so uh, it's really, it's a really important thing. And I, I heard this, um, 
I thought it was really refreshing. I heard on a podcast, I can't remember which one, because I'm like a podcast junkie <laughs> listener as well. Yeah. So, but they said, you know, when you are working for, you know, you're, when you're, when you are an employee, it's like having one client. Mm. But when you're self-employed and you have several income streams, you should be confident because if you lose one client, you know, you have others, right? Or you lose one income stream, you can rely on the others. So if you're smart, always, you know, keep the pipeline full. That that kind of analogy I always like to think of. Like if you're waiting on, you know, getting in a paycheck from a magazine or like you said, Marie, the with publishers, you do the work months before you Absolutely. get paid. <laughs> you know, and it, that's hard. You, you might know, wait not gonna... six months to see that check, you know. It's it hurts and and I, I get it. I so get it. But like, yeah, if you've got these other things going on, you're like, all right, that's cool. I'm gonna move on. And it does take discipline and it does take a lot of hard work. So, you know, it's not the, for the faint at heart, but like you know, I've, I've, uh, read in, in some, you know, creative business books, you know, if you're doing it from a place of passion and you do have the skill to back it up, it's, it's not, you know, you're going to, it's going to be painful, you yeah. know, but it's not going to be as painful. You know, you're really, you know, in your heart that it's so worth this labor of love that you're giving it. Right? Definitely. Absolutely. And I think the yeah. other thing kind of related to that is, you know, you don't have to do it all at once. And I think that's where a lot of people get, you know, they get kind of overwhelmed and burnt out. It's like, you know, on the first day of your business, you don't have to have, you know, I'm teaching, I'm designing, I'm, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, selling products, I'm doing these, I'm tech editing, I'm photography, you know, doing my photography services. I mean, that's a lot. So for my own business, what I do is I kind of take on one thing. And then when I feel like I've really incorporated it, and I feel like the routine is sort of there, that's when I start thinking, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to take on? So I don't try to, you know, on day one, open up with like 700 different things going on. Cause you really have to kind of perfect and refine, you know, the things. So even stuff like submitting proposals to magazines, you know, it probably took me a year to even just figure out how do I actually understand what's different about this magazine versus that magazine? How do I put together a proposal that makes sense for people? You know, it takes a little while to even get that down. So you can't necessarily be adding in all these things at once. And so I think if people are listening and going, oh my God, that's so many different things, you know, you don't have to do everything today. It can be something that you add slowly over time as you feel like, you know, now I'm ready to take on something else. Great advice. Great. That's awesome. So now about you and your business. So mm -hmm. what would you say is your own biggest struggle as a, as a business owner? Like how to make it all, make it all work. How do you do it? Yeah. Like what's the struggle? What's the struggle really? Yeah. I think for me, um, I would say time management is the biggest struggle because especially it's not a full-time job for me. And I think that's a double-edged sword. So on the one end, I have the advantage of having another income that I can rely on. So I don't have to worry like, oh, my God, I didn't get that magazine, didn't take my design. Now we won't be able to eat. You know, <laughs> I don't have to live on on that kind of, you know, terror. But on the other hand, I also have a lot of commitments with my other work. So as I've mentioned, I, I teach graduate business courses. I work for a local nonprofit one day a week. So I have to fit in all of my other, you know, uh, yarn related activities into the sort of the rest of the week. 
And so for me, I would say time management is a challenge, you know, not so much that I'm necessarily, you know, terribly disorganized or anything, but it's more that, you know, we all have limited amounts of time that we can do things. So how, you know, what's the best way to use that? And I think over time, kind of shifting priorities in different directions as you see things changing. So uh, for me, you know, about uh, about a year and a half ago, I made the decision to shift my self-published work more in the direction of free patterns that are monetized through advertising and affiliate sales rather than focusing mostly on selling PDF patterns. And that was something that took a while to understand and, and set up and get used to, but which has kind of led to me having um, greater income from my self-published design. So that I think, you know, knowing when to, to try something new and then trying to, again, manage the time so that you can fit that into what else is going on in your life. That's, for me, the biggest struggle, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to know even, you know, I think especially when you do have a side business and then you have a full-time job, you know, knowing how to shift gears Mm -hmm. or knowing how to use your time and your resources, you know, and every week that could change or Mm -hmm. even every day, every, and, and so being kind to yourself and not beating yourself up because, you know, what that is, what you're doing is a pretty uncommon thing. So you have to remember that. It is, right? Yeah, like, that's That word true. right there helps, you know, and you think about it's a very uncommon thing and most people don't want to do it. They'd rather... <laughs> that is true. <laughs> they want to keep that full-time job, you know. So, yeah, just remember that when times get tough, you know, and remember why why you're doing it, why it matters so much. So thanks for sharing that, Absolutely. Marie. So how about one overarching habit that contributes to your success? Can you share that? Sure. I mean, I think for me, I I try to do something creative every day. So um, that may seem weird, but, you know, a lot of times, again, uh, and especially I think this is more of a risk for the people that are in the yarn industry full time, actually. But, you know, you can get really bogged down in like, you know, the bookkeeping and uh, you know, you got to write this up and format this and all these things that are, you know, more administrative. And, you know, for me, I try to keep fresh by just, uh, you know, doing at least one creative thing a day. I, I crochet more than I knit, to be honest, just because I'm, <laughs> I'm faster at it. But I do sometimes like to just say, hey, okay, I'm going to knit something because also, you know, it uses, uh, even though it's, you know, both a handcraft and all that kind of thing, it kind of uses like different parts of your hands a little bit and different parts of your brain a little bit. So it kind of keeps things fresh. And actually this year I started doing one of those 365 day photo challenges, which has been really interesting. And, uh, you know, just being in that routine of, okay, I got to take the picture today and, and the challenge that I'm doing, there's different themes of different days. And that for me has really kind of help to keep me kind of like that creative spark going so that I'm not just like, okay, I got to do this, get this to the publisher. You know, it's not sort of falling into that grumpy routine. It's still like this fresh, creative, exciting stuff. And so I think that's, that's a big piece. And again, that's why most people get into the industry, right? They're creative and they love this creative stuff, but it's easy to 
lose sight of it and almost have it become a chore at some point. And I think that's what leads to people being burnt out. So um, that's, you know, like I said, this year I'm trying just the photography thing a little bit. And of course that'll help me, you know, with self-publishing if I have better photography skills, but I'm really doing it more as a kind of a creative experience. So doing something creative every day, um, getting up and taking a shower. I know this sounds ridiculous, but a lot of people that work <laughs> from home, they're into this, oh, I'm in my pajamas all day. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's great. Really? You know, because I think then you're, you're <laughs> taking naps, you know, it's like, you, you got to run this like a business, you know, get yeah. up. And so for me, I had worked outside of the home for most of my career. And uh, in 2013, I was like, you know, I'm not going to work full time for an employer, I'm going to make my own way. And I have you know, as I said, I do teaching, I do a lot of different things in and out of the yarn industry. But the biggest thing for me was I have to get up every morning and take a shower. I know that sounds silly, but really, um, I think for me, it kind of puts me in that work mindset. It's not like, oh, it's Saturday and I'm sleeping in, you know, and I think that's really important for me um, to keep me going. So doing something creative every day, getting up, taking that shower, those are really the helpful things that kind of keep me keep me going. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it touches on the the fresh factor that mm -hmm. we were saying that you were saying earlier. And, you know, it's definitely like, I love that you do something creative every day that's separate from your designing, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's the I think that's the secret. I think that really is, you know, so, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that. I think that's going to be helpful to so many people. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna start to wrap up, uh, you know, you know, and uh, so I'm gonna ask you two advice questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, uh, what kind of advice would you give to, you know, a designer, you mm -hmm. know, just wanting to start out? Sure. I mean, I think um, getting started as a, as a designer, there's a lot of elements to it. And this is often kind of cloaked before you're a designer, and you're just a person out there crocheting and knitting. So, you know, there's a couple of different elements to it, but, you know, there's the part of coming up with a concept, which a lot of people kind of intuitively do, but there's also the part of transforming that concept into a pattern that's written in some kind of standard format that makes sense for other people and they can replicate it. And so I think that part, understanding that part of how do I take my idea for something and even the sample that I have and how do I transform it into, uh, you know, a written or a video or whatever it is that kind of explains this to someone else. So I think, you know, as much as you can get a handle on that process, that's only going to improve your ability to design. So whether um, for me, that was a combination of teaching. So writing handouts that explain something and realizing, oh, that's not working. You know, my student doesn't understand this. So the way that I've written it, it's not clear enough, you know, for instance, or uh, thinking about, you know, looking at as many patterns as you can from different sources and say, okay, I don't like how this pattern doesn't include, let's say, the weight of the yarn. How would somebody know how to make a substitution, you know? So thinking about like what's already out there and what you like from different uh, pattern formats, which are usually called style sheets and thinking about, you know, what you want to have in your own style sheet, but then also, uh, you know, phrasing that you're going to use if, if, especially if you're going to do independent design, you know, some people write all their patterns like a tutorial and other people write them almost like a pattern you would see in a magazine. And, and it's like, you know, finding your own voice and, and kind of what works for you. 
So great. I would say that's great for a new designer. Awesome. So how about a, a business book that, you know, a, a business of design book that you would recommend or, or a resource? Sure. Um, so I love uh, Shirley Payton's book. And uh, I think that was really helpful for me in understanding different types of structures, like not just for sweaters, but skirts and dresses and all kinds of different things. I took a great class uh, with Kim Guzman on uh, Crochetville on pattern grading for crochet. That was super helpful. I know that's design oriented, but it helped me kind of understand, again, something that would be helpful for me in the business. And right now I'm reading this book called The War of Art by Stephen oh, Pressfield. Yeah. Have you read that? Uh, you know what? I've only read like samples of it mm-hmm. on my Kindle and I'm like, I got to get this book. And it's, you know, like I, in, when we just had our, I was on your show. Yeah. I mentioned these three books that I just got. So I got like three pl- and other books. So that's on my list. So at one, at some point I am going to read it because, you know, now you're mentioning it totally to me Totally recommend again. it. It's uh, for people who don't know, it's this book basically about, uh, you know, being a creative person and kind of dealing with all the different blocks and obstacles and, um, you know, what he likes to call turning pro, which is a little bit like my getting up and taking a shower. It's, it's like, you know, Love if you want to be a creative person, you have to do this as a profession. You can't treat it always like a hobby, you know, otherwise you're not going to get the results that you're hoping for. I mean, that's the gist of it, but it's a million times better than that. So, you know, read the book. Um, and then of course, because I do teach business, I get exposed to a lot of sort of regular business things, you know, so that helps, you know, I don't have any particular favorite book or anything, but, you know, I keep in, you know, my mind on different journals and magazines and what's going on. And that's really helpful to see sort of general shifts that are going on that a lot of people, you know, won't necessarily think of, oh, how does this relate to knitwear design? But it does. I mean, just things like how are different social networks moving ahead or monetizing, that's going to eventually affect, you know, which ones you should be active on or not. So I try to just keep up with, you know, general business trends and in online business as well. Very smart. Okay, so now here's my last advice, my second uh, advice question. What's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. I mean, I've gotten a lot of great (laughs) advice because I've always asked people for advice. I'm not kind of shy about asking for advice. But I think, you know, a lot of what I heard early on was kind of don't quit your day job, you know, and it sounds really blunt. But I think, um, you know, really try to establish yourself first before you have this like fantasy that, you know, you know, it's blunt, but it's real. You know, many people in the yarn industry are not making a lot of money. A lot of people are struggling and other people are making a lot of money and other people that you think are really successful, there's more to the story. So they might say, oh yeah, I do this full time, but you don't know that maybe their husband actually, you know, earns most of the money and they don't, they might make less money than you actually, even though they seem to be more quote unquote successful. So I think, you know, there's a lot to it and every person has to decide what's comfortable for them, how much money that they need to make given their specific situation. But I think if you can do what I'm doing, which is work in some other industry or in the same industry um, and have some more reliable source of income as you're building your business and, and maybe even permanently, but definitely as you get started, I think that that helps. And I think it also disciplines you, which is what 
um, a lot of people have also told me it's like the more time you have, you know, you, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be producing more. It just means that you have more time in the day. Sometimes having just a little bit of time, it makes you more focused. So absolutely, I think, yeah, don't quit your day job, which I heard from a number of people was definitely, uh, I think, the biggest piece of advice that kind of helped me uh, in my, and I did quit my day job, but not only to be in the yarn industry, but I have, like I said, I have other ways of earning money. But I think that was really the most valuable piece of advice I've received. And I got it from several different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Because, you know, uh, if you do have that day job, you can make really smart choices. And mm -hmm. just like you said earlier about that time, you know, that you if you only have a, a very focused amount of time, like maybe it's in the early morning and or on the weekends, you are, you're going to have to be really strategic about it, and it's and most likely you are going to use that time well, yeah. Because you're going to you're going to value it, and if you are not happy with your day job, because I know that I I see this from mm -hmm. you know people reach out to me, uh, email me, I'm not happy, and I just want to design, you know, designing. You could kill your passion for your for knitting, and and you you know you got to take off the rose colored glasses. I'm Absolutely. just saying, and it, you know, um, so if you don't like your day job, go find a job another job first that you feel that resonates more with your values. You know, mm. um, I I think that there's a way to do that, like make that part of your business plan. Absolutely, you know what I mean. To find that job that you love, that you can use as a bridge, uh, to or you know to have harmony with those two areas, mm -hmm. you know, and then you. Yeah, then you can just really do things from a very harmonious, clear place and make decisions as you need to. And, you know, just do the things that you really love in your business. That's so true. And I, I'm sure you've seen this, Kara, but I've seen so many people just get totally burnt out on the industry yep. and, you know, start really strong. And, you know, so it's like just because you don't like your job, you know, like you said, switch to another job, do something different. Don't necessarily hope that, oh, my gosh, my knitwear design career, that's going to, you know, solve all my world, you know, every problem that I have, you know, because it's a lot, that's a big burden to place on, you know, a kind of relatively unstable industry that takes a while to build, you know, you, it doesn't just start overnight, so... Absolutely. Well, this has been great. So I, I just want to, to uh, kind of close with where, where the listeners can find out more about you, Marie. Um, podcast will be at creativeyarnentrepreneur.com. That's probably the best place to get in touch with that show. And if you just want to check out my crochet and knitting patterns, undergroundcrafter.com is probably the best pace, place. And then I'm on, uh, I'm on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and all those good things. And you can find me, you know, again, as Underground Crafter or Creative Yarn Entrepreneur in both places. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Marie. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Marie Sagaris of Creative Yarn Entrepreneur Podcast. You know, you really should check her out because she just offers a lot of different ways to think about your business from a creative standpoint, not just, I love to knit and, you know, I want to become a knitwear designer, but it's more about you know, you as a creative, you know, how can you diversify and how can you think out of the box? How can you use 
you know, existing business models that are already out there to send your message out to the world. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I hope she'll come back, Marie. I, you know, I could just talk to you for hours, I think. So uh, lots of fun there. And before I forget, uh, I wanted to also share a little bit of information with you. I now have a Patreon page. I don't know if you've ever heard of Patreon, but it is, um, it's a special place that, uh, that creators like myself are a part of. And, uh, you as a listener of, uh, of this podcast and, or other creative things that you enjoy, you can find other creators at patreon.com and become a patron of the arts, so to speak. So you can actually do that, uh, as a listener, of Power Pearls podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash Power Pearls podcast and check out my page. And you can sponsor me for as little as a dollar a month. Um, but there are different levels and you can decide what makes sense for you. And with those like different levels of sponsorship, then you you actually get some sweet rewards from me. And so, you know, go check it out. Um, I, I would love, you know, for you to take part in this ground floor opportunity because, you know, the podcast is always going to be free. So, you know, that's why I am on Patreon so that I could get that extra boost every every month so that I can pay for outsourcing, you know, the production of this podcast because I got a full-time gig as a magazine editor. So even like the littlest bit helps me keep this going. And, and for the long haul, you know, that's my intention. I want to keep this podcast going uh, for the future. So that's about it. So check it out. So you can go to patreon.com slash Power Pearls podcast and you can see everything that I'm up to. You can check out the rewards and I just wanted to share the love. And you know, I feel so lucky to have you as a listener of the podcast. You know, you can always reach out to me. I'm here. I'm listening. I can be reached at Kara at powerpearlspodcast.com. Thanks and I'll see you next time.